Guys, we are back for another episode of the weekly roundup, catching up on the headlines, results, and rankings for the professional squash and college squash game. Covered this week, we share some sad news of the passing of the man who saved the British Open. We discuss the article of Alan Thatcher of Squash Mad and his parting thoughts on the world of squash. It's a bleak outlook, and he doesn't pull any punches. Next, Hong Kong. And after not being hosted in four years, the action definitely makes up for lost time, with Asal and Hania lifting the trophies after some hard-fought battles. Next, we celebrate a milestone, the Harvard women's team hitting a 100-match winning streak. And new rankings are out for the college squash game. Quick note, we did have some mic challenges, and it's a little echoey, and we're sorry about that. We're going to try and get it fixed for next time. So um, thanks for bearing with us. Don't forget, send in your fan questions or comments, and we might read them on the air. As always, thanks for listening. What about this? This call is being recorded. Fans, we are back for another edition of The Roundup, catching you up on the weekly headlines, results from the professional tour and college squash. We're going to catch you up through December 4th. Bill, my co-host, how are you doing? Connor, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's been a busy week. Yeah, it's actually felt like a month, to be honest, but uh, it's only <laughs> yeah. been a week. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, U.S. lost in the World Cup since we lost talk, by the way. Did you watch any of the game? Yeah, not as much as I wanted to, uh, but yeah. You couldn't expect to do much against a, a, a great I, soccer nation like that. I guess. I mean, at some point, but it's like, if next four years from now, and this all builds up in four years from now, we're a powerhouse, and while coming in, Cup's going to be put in the U.S., then all good. But what I don't want four years from now is, oh, we're young. Good things are coming. We're developing. That's just that that story's been going on for far too long. And at some point, uh, enough's enough. Only you know? twenty years, Bill. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like they keep saying, like we're, we're like none of the other teams have young players in the pipeline either that are coming up. None of these other powerhouses. It makes it seem like like we're just going to be the big powerhouse. But whatever. It was fun. I'll miss it. Went to a pub at um, nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Uh, with hundreds of people. It was packed to the brim. It was a great atmosphere. So it was fun in that respect. So I will miss that. I was hoping for at least one one more weekend of that. So fun fun stuff. Watched England today kick butt. So I, I'm now have allegiance towards England uh, or Argentina because I want Messi to, if uh, England doesn't win, I want Messi to win the World Cup. Yeah, we'll continue <laughs> the sports day and get into uh, our sport, huh? Well, uh, one gripe, so it's the holiday season, so my holiday gripes are starting. I, I ordered a pair of uh, boots, on online boots, last week, and I, you know how cheap I am. I'm very frugal, careful with my money, don't like to spend my money, I like to count it each night and, you know, blow the dust off of that type of thing. And I ordered a pair of boots and paid way more money than I would normally pay for anything. Usually I go to, like, DSW and go to the clearance clearance rack and, and buy something that's been marked down, like, a thousand times. Instead, I paid full retail Paid for the shipping because I wanted them over the weekend. Paid for overnight shipping and got the uh, the notice that they won't get shipped now till Tuesday. And I, I ordered them on Wednesday. No oh, man, I mean, why did I pay overnight shipping? Is my question. What, what what's my recourse there? I mean, I think you can go back and say it didn't happen. So, yeah, well, I did. Well, I did. I, they said you we want your feedback. So I said this is ridiculous. I paid twenty five bucks for overnight shipping, and now I'm not getting them till Tuesday night. Why is that? And they said <laughs> you get the automatic message says. We appreciate your feedback. <laughs> as you know, as you may imagine, we can't read each one individually, but we do appreciate it. So basically, oh, wow. just, just going to a bot. But either way, onward. Enough enough about me, Connor. How about you, Connor? How, how are things going with you? It's, it's good. Just pretty okay. busy, but yeah. Uh, all okay. good. All right. On to the squash news. Some sad news to start. Um, 
Sam Alam, who has been sponsoring the British Open, I believe I read since 2013, sadly passed away, Dr. Alam. So obviously a very big name in our sport, especially over in uh, in England. And he basically single-handedly revived the British Open. So um, he'll be missed immensely in, in the sport. Yeah, I mean, he really, uh, you, you said it exactly right, that without him, the British Open definitely probably would have gone under. And some of these big titles, I mean, we've seen this now at the Australian Open, and thankfully it's coming back. But the British Open, uh, thanks to Dr. Alam, was able to be very prestigious, get back to the, the world stage. Um, and it was, he, he helped bring it up to Hull, where he, where he was from. So. Right, right. So uh, elsewhere in uh, in squash news, um, Ali, the Ali Farag news. Obviously, the tour moves on, but the number one player in the world, Ali Farag, has not played since he bowed out of the U.S. Open. No, he did. He did. He did go play the Grasshopper and then bowed out of that. But uh, I guess his knee injury is a little more serious than we first thought. And uh, in an interview on Squash Mad, he said that he is taking his time and wants to make sure that he is 100% recovered before he takes a chance and gets on court. I think one thing on court is just his intelligence comes through and I think he's making that decision based on what's going to be best long term and we saw the fits and starts with Rami Ashore coming back too early and ultimately his knee then he couldn't continue so yeah yeah kind of my role model too because like he he sent his wife back out to work and like well he's not working anymore so uh, I I tried to point that out to my wife and saying can I just stop working and you could my knee kind of hurts I mean going upstairs my knees hurt every day. <laughs> yet, yet I still have to go to work now, don't I? Jeez. Life's not fair, Bill. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> tell me about it. So that article in Squash Mad was the second most interesting thing I read in Squash Mad this week. The other was Alan Thatcher, whose retirement we announced last week, went out flame throwing flames. To be fair, it actually could have been way worse. <laughs> well, like if, if you really wanted to, 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 to burn the house down but well you know he, he i you know and again as i said last week i always appreciated alan because he he always said what he thought right that would in, right. in squash that's very rare people mince words in this sport people are afraid to hurt feelings in this sport and as we talked about there's no besides squash mad there's no real journalism in this sport where people are getting called out and he 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 threw flames but he didn't mention anybody's name yeah so I was a little disappointed in that. Look, if you're going to say what you said, talking about squash committees and most squash committee types don't read websites, don't know what social media is, don't know what interactive squash is, don't even know who Mustafa Asal is. Who are those people, Alan? I want to know. Mm-hmm. And he and he went further than that. So in that article, obviously, he, he went pretty far. But he went much further than that in, in some tweets that he sent out. And I'm going to just take read a couple of them. And again, I... I appreciate him being honest, but I would think that name some names. So he said to all those salaried federation staff who failed to support World Squash Day, you are clearly in the wrong job. For the benefit of my mental health, I no longer want these individuals anywhere near my life. So that's, you know what? That sounds to me a little bit more personal and like that somebody didn't support World Squash Day, then you didn't like them. And, and also be fair about it because World Squash Day it's great it is. it really is but it's not really the end all be all that's going to save our sport by any way shape or form and you know to to to, to flame people for not supporting his personal endeavor and not name, name not name names is uh it, to me it was a, a little little off well i i think it's okay if he doesn't name names and he doesn't have to but i i, I agree it's always been a challenge at world squash day that it actually hasn't been fully embraced. I, when we were running the U.S. Open, it would fall during that time, and it just 
was not our main priority. Well, I mean, what could what could be a better World Squash Day than right. hosting the U.S. Open Finals? Yeah, with all the world watching on Squash TV. Yeah, so I think it highlights both the the global reach that he was able to help get with basically a one man mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I I think he's also highlighting it wasn't fully embraced by these institutions, and we are at the world level with World Squash. There's no support, so. No, understood. It just th- that tweet kind of rubbed me the wrong way, obviously for obvious reasons, but also it, it also sc- screamed of his Owen esque like ego, right? I mean, a lot of that was about Alan, which you know it's fine. I'm, I'm and I'm don't want to drag him down because he has done a ton for the sport, and I love Squash Mad, and I love the direction it was going, but I'm just a little disappointed in him. And at the, in the you end want of his names? Last, I want names. I want names. That's I mean, hey, Alan, you your name is. You're out there, and you're always been very prolific in your criticisms of people. So don't be afraid to name names here in the end. And at the very end of his tweet, he says, um, "We need leaders with honesty and the necessary skills to revive the grassroots of our wonderful game, and to get rid of the crooks." I mean, that's pretty harsh. I mean, that's pretty harsh. You're call- I mean, calling somebody a crook is is not the same as me like me making fun of someone on a podcast. Right, right. Calling somebody a crook. So, a little disappointed in Alan that he didn't didn't, didn't name names. It would have would have been good for our podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, you're names. you're just you know like give us more meat. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, that's the news. The big news for the week: the platinum event out in Hong Kong that just ended. I, I, I have to say, from semis to finals, the best tournament. In a long time, a lot of the finals have been disappointing lately. You know, as we talked about, people log minutes and pump minutes on court, and by the time we get to the finals, one of them is far superior than the other. This was not that, Connor. This was awesome. I got up very early in the morning the last couple of days to watch the semis, and then this morning to watch the finals. I can see it on your well, eyes. I know I do look tired, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm a little tired. I'm old, man. I'm old. Bunch of crooks, bunch of crooks out there ruining my sport. I have to I have to fight that too at night. So there you go. It's, it's a full time job. But first off, Hamami. I mean, yeah. holy cow, does Sabrina Sobey's win in the U.S. Open over Hamami get bigger and bigger every time Hamami steps on the court now? Holy cow, she beat Tayeb, Gohar, Sherbini, back to back to back. Quite an accomplishment. And um, Gohar, she was down two games to one, uh, came back, and she did something that Gohar typically does. Is she, she broke down Gohar. I mean, she mm. broke her down and and, and won that la- won that last game, you know, pretty handily. And and then this this morning's uh, final against Sherbini was one for the books. It was as good a squash match. I always say the best squash match I've ever watched in person was her at the Windy City this past year when she played Sherbini. That was a, a great great match, and this was better. I think it was wow. it was absolutely incredible. I mean, talk about no. beating all the players. All the, she, she, she no, not a, the hardest draw. Well, by far, by far the hardest. I mean, Sherbini had to beat Joel King in the, in the semis, but uh, Sherbini's path. Sherbini actually almost lost in the second round. She went five games with her country fellow countrywoman. But this match was not without its uh, its controversy. Um, <laughs> in the fifth game, unfortunate and very, this is very unfortunate because if this if if the result was switched, obviously this would be the biggest news story in squash, right? So the fifth game, it's nine seven. Uh, Sherbini hits a drop shot to the right corner. Hamami goes in and gets it. Pickup, no problem. Definitely the pickup. And Sherbini thinks she won the point. She thinks the ball hit the front wall and came down on the tin. Pumps her fist. Thinks that she won the point. It's 9-7 right now. Go to a review. Go to the you know, video referee. Video referee, they look at that point forever. And it's really still hard to tell. But in the end, they called it good. 
So they come back, and Hamami's serving now. And guess what the score is? 10-7. Yes, Connor. That's in, in, yes, you would think that would be what the score is, but that's not what the score was. They kept the score at 9-7. They gave her the point and kept the score at 9-7. Nobody said anything. They played on. Hamami didn't say anything. Sherbini didn't say anything. They missed the whole yeah. point. Luckily, Hamami won, but it was almost like the referee knew that he screwed up because at 9-9, there was a clear stroke to Sherbini. A clear stroke. Uh, Hamami hit a very loose ball that came back, and Sherbini stepped in to hit it, stopped, asked for the let, and obviously they called it. They called it a let, and then she asked for a review, wanting the stroke, and they gave it a no let. Oh no way! Oh yeah, it was egregious, and I'm wondering if the ref did it because he knew he blew. He, the, he didn't ball. add the point. I mean, can you imagine missing a point in a in a platinum event and like no nobody say anything? The announcers didn't say anything, right? It was very very That's odd. Very odd. But then the, the last couple of points were just like vicious and just a great, great win and good for her mommy. I, I'm, for our podcast, I'm sad that her mommy won because if she lost and they didn't count a point and she ended up losing, it would be, uh, great. Yeah. be great to talk about <laughs> for sure. But um, but good job. Great job for her. I love how your total lens on on the professional we, tour is just like controversy. We'll make for good. We need controversy. Um, uh, stopping. Hey, Gohar. Stop Gohar's streak. So Gohar had made the finals of every tournament she'd played this year thus far. I think number 12 tournaments in a row. Yeah. So stop Gohar going to the 12th. Um, the other, on the women's side, the other note that I have is there was a Japanese player, the 40th ranked player in the world, Satomi Watanabe, was the first Japanese to ever make a quarterfinal, Japanese woman to ever make the quarterfinal of a platinum event. And she played Gohar very tough, losing 14, 12, 12, 10, 11, 6 in the quarterfinals. So shout out to her. And hopefully with a country, with a, such a, such a rabid sports country, it would be great to get some high-level Japanese players on the tour. So a great on the woman's side. Men's side, our boy, Mustafa. Uh, this was a... Uh... What a seesaw. Uh, Crazy. Down 2-0. Uh, championship ball. Did you see the shot he hit on championship ball? Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. Yeah. Cro- cross no, I thought court. it was good. Oh, it was definitely good. It was cross-court yeah. volley nick. Backhand cross-court volley nick. that Hit a, like an inch above the tin, like no margin for error. To match ball with no, yeah. I mean, and it was like. Championship, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, championship ball. It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. But, of course, it can't be a Mustafa match without a little bit of controversy. When it was 2-1, there was a, it was game ball 10-9, game ball for, uh, for Asal. Asal tried that shot again, the overhead, the backhand cross-court nick. It came up. Elias got the ball and hit the front wall. And John Melzarell, the referee, called it down, said he never got to the front wall. And it, it obviously did. And Asal just walked off the court like he won the point. Elias went crazy. Yeah. Like stalked off the court, went around, said, and Mazzarella wouldn't review it. Yeah, interesting. Which why? I didn't understand. There's no explanation given. Like how couldn't he didn't go to a video ref, a video referee? But why didn't um, Diego ask for one? Uh, I, he did. He said, John. He's he, he, he didn't he didn't ask for a review because I don't think that's reviewable. But I think it's video referee reviewable. I think Mazzarella has yeah. to do, take take that that and run with it. Cra- craziness that he didn't do that, and then obviously the, that makes it two to two. And once uh, when the, the, the Elias' head was done in the next game, and Mustafa ran through him, so it was a 
it was a it was a win a win for Mustafa, not without the controversy. And then as they walked off the court, I believe Steve Cubbins, if I think I read it read in a tweet, said that Elias said something to Muhammad because obviously I mean Mustafa Mustafa was screaming his head off after he won, and he said something like, "It's always like this with you out there, man." Like he was not happy and like had words as he walked off the court. So another <laughs> good Mustafa can't do anything without a little bit of controversy. But what great, I mean, amazing squash. I mean, the dying length was just on fire. In- incredible. Even Ellis's length in the first That's game. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Both sure. of them were just, oh. One other thing that jumped out to me um, was the the number of photographers in the photography pit. Dude, did you see that? Yeah, it was like 10 or 12. It was awesome. <laughs> it was like 10, there was, there was two, two film cameras and like 10 photographers. I know, I know. <laughs> Like, who are these people? I was like so excited, and they're like, "Where are you guys from?" <laughs> I I noticed the same thing. The two things I've been noticing, Connor, because uh, I've been watching so much because of this podcast. Obviously, we need to be in the know. Is the the size of the trophies? Always, always, I'm always pumped up about. Um, I failed to mention them last week, and this week's were just moderately, moderately sized, so no big deal. But the amount of photographers on the front wall. Usually, you just see like Steve Cubbins and maybe a couple guys from the PSA occasionally, and maybe yeah, a, yeah, yeah. like a videographer. But <laughs> so many. It was like paparazzi. It was really funny. Really funny. You can also see who's newer to the game because of like uh, how they take the pictures and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. So, speaking of, of VAR, um, we had talked about when it comes to calls, and obviously, referee calls were a big part of a uh, big part of this weekend in the on the Hong Kong tournament. Is we talked about? I thought it would be interesting if the fans of PSA Squash TV could listen in while video review decisions are being made and the discussion back and forth if there is anybody between the ref and the video the video uh, referee. And one of our listeners um, chimed in and said, if you watch cricket, there is, the, when they do VAR in world cricket, that they do listen in to the discussion between the between the refs. And he says, it's very interesting. And I went in and watched a couple of replays of it, and it was very interesting. So, I mean, we, we you talked about not wanting to see the sausage made. And, um, you know, I myself, I, wa- I want to see the pig shot in the head. I want to see him disemboweled. I want to see his guts ground up, and I want to see it put in casing. That's how much I want to watch that kind of stuff. Not in just sausage made. I want to see it from start to finish being made. Well, I, I think the way to phase that in would be let's start recording it all and then doing postseason wrap-ups and just, just so we get a sense of what that's like. I'm fine for experimenting, so I'm I'm not necessarily against it. I think it's it's just a more of breaking a culture trend that we've had, and it's not done as in – for all the other sports, it's just not done. So if they're great now, we have one exception, and the other ones are way out there. So. Yeah. No, I got, I got you. I got start, you. You know me. Start though. with the stories. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I, I, I got to stop worrying about the salaciousness of it all. But it's it's just what, so interesting okay. to me. <laughs> what if, what if you could get this? Everyone in the world could listen to the referee feed, but you couldn't, or you get to listen to the referee feed, but no one else can. Oh. Dude, B. <laughs> I pick B. Hundred percent, I pick B. I, I think you knew the answer. Well, I think you I knew the answer wanted, that before you. You know what? I didn't down, so, yeah. know. I didn't know whether you do it for you know the betterment <laughs> of the sport. You agree with it, or is it just what Bill wants? Hey, hey, Connor. Since you've known me, have I always thought of the betterment of anything or the betterment of Bill first? Since you've known me, I, you know, I, 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 there are times when you do surprise me, but uh... yeah, it's rare. It's rare though. <laughs> Few and far between. Yeah. <laughs> on to the csa um it's interesting the csa like a lot of the, some of the teams are playing like i looked at like princeton women 
like a number three, I think, in the in the country now. I played one match, mm. but a lot of these teams, like some of these teams, have played like five, six, seven, eight matches. So it's it's very disjointed who's playing. But there were some there were some good results this weekend, some big results this weekend. Drexel University's women's team probably had the most stellar weekend of the of all the teams, and they beat Yale this weekend today five four. And they beat Columbia earlier in the weekend, 5-4. Tight matches, 3-5 gamers, 4-3 gamers in the uh, in the Yale match today, and 3-5 gamers and 4-4 four, four, four gamers in the uh, in the Columbia match. Additionally, the other uh, big news, Harvard women, uh, I think it was Wednesday maybe, played Dartmouth, beat Dartmouth for their 100th straight win, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. What a milestone. <laughs> 100 straight wins. So, it, it, um, but it's also, it just shows Trinity going 252-0, and 0, just how remarkable that, that is, right? So, <laughs> I was looking. So that made me look it up when I saw that they won 100. I was like, wow, what was Trinity? It seems so long ago. I'll take a look. Were they like 120, 130? And then I look, 252. it's like, yeah, 252. 252. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. But good for Harvard women. Haven't lost since 2015 when they lost to UPenn. So. And Harvard men had a their first test semi-test of the year they beat uva the number five team in the in the country eight to one there were a couple tight matches so it was a little tighter than eight to one there was at number two it went four games and at number six it went you know a tight three games but the match of the uh, tournament was at number one marwan Tarek and ali hussein five games <laughs> i don't even think it's real i mean is it real an hour and 51 minutes you know at cal with with no injuries, a college squash like th- those funky things can happen. If you get a hot court, no one can put the ball away, and like the back ones, like, nineteen inch 19 ten inch. has a lot to do with it. But I will. I look at that at first, and I so I started making some phone calls and like to people I know and say, hey, did it, you know anything about this match? Did somebody get hurt? Like, was there an injury timeout? An hour and fifty one minutes is just a ridiculous amount of time to <laughs> to spend on court. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! <laughs> So some other uh, and the college rankings were updated, so we'll go over those quickly before uh, before we uh, we finish up. But um, other notable results of the weekend um, besides Harvard, Chatham beat Rochester, which is a really nice win for uh, for Chris Fernandez's Chatham team. Middlebury beat Hobart. MIT beat Williams, which is a really huge result. I think Williams was missing a couple players. But but a really nice result for MIT, and then Bates beat F and M, which is a, a solid win. Besides the um, the uh, the Drexel matches that we talked about, Dartmouth beat Tufts, which was a, a nice win because Tufts is an up and coming program. And Georgetown, our boy Timmy Lasusa had big wins over over Bates and Colby. So shout out to Timmy Lasusa, who I saw a video of him at your uh, at your golf range at the U club. Yeah, he. Um, I mean, he he holds the on un, unauthorized record or. Yeah. Another unauthorized speed of uh, hitting the squash ball, I think 175 miles an hour. So he can whack it. And um, in this little day that he hit the the golf ball, he got 306 yards. Wow! Well, he had a whole, he uh, over Thanksgiving holiday. He he texted both of us. He had a home yeah. one on a 224 yard par three. Isn't that crazy? So yeah, yeah, really nice. So go over the the rankings before. Well, going through the rankings quickly, we have on the men's side, we have Harvard University taking the number one spot, five and zero. University of Pennsylvania undefeated still, eight and zero. Number three, Princeton University. Number four, Yale, followed by University of Virginia, Trinity College coming in number six, Drexel and number seven. Cornell, number eight, Columbia University at number nine, and to round out the other Ivy Leagues. Dartmouth College coming in at number 10. 
and on the women's side, the women's is interesting. So Trinity College, Harvard University hasn't lost since 2015, which we talked about, yet they're still number two. Trinity College, number one. Harvard's number two. Drexel, number three, with obviously, as we talked about, two huge wins this weekend. Princeton University, interesting, as we talked about, only has played one match, is 1-0, and and is sitting there at number four. And we know because of our uh, astute detective work that Princeton actually beat Harvard University at the uh, at the Ivy League scrimmages. So they're lurking. Maybe they're just waiting and just resting, and that's why they're not playing any matches. But Yale University is number five. Cornell at number six. So David Palmer um, uh, doing a nice job up. UVA, number seven. Columbia has fallen to number eight. Number nine, and then rounding out the top ten is uh, is Dartmouth. Can touch Harvard's men's this year. I was, I was wondering if UVA and UVA did give them a battle, but um, pretty much every top ten male player are there. Well, the last piece we've uh, we've narrowed it down. Where are we in the in the segment, Bill, of um, the SDA? So, as you know, the doubles community is an interesting community, yeah. right? So um, a, lot, a lot of people think it's, you know, just a bunch of very wealthy people sitting at their clubs wearing their all whites. And we, we know the SDA tour is not that, that the SDA tour has, has ascended that. So we wanted to have a correspondent um, come in and meet, you know, the rest of our doubles writers and kind of, you know, just just kind of a quick meet and greet. And we wanted to film it just to see how they got along. So I know I think you've taken yeah. that, Connor. And uh, if you could just put, you just want to play a little snippet. Yeah, of well, that. I think part of it is like we wanted to bring in some new blood. Right. So. Right. Right. Here we go. And it may be blue, that blood. And this is our writer's lounge where you'll meet some of our contributors. Fielding Wellingtonsworth. Hello. Livingston Winsterford. Yes. Amelia Bedford Furthington Chesterhill. Good day. And James William Bottomtooth. Oh, Everyone, this is Brian, our newest contributor. Hi there. Uh, how's it going? Would you like some tea? A cigar? Brandy? Go <laughs> Uh, no, I'm I'm good, thanks. We read your article, Brian. Your study in postmodern American subcultures was quite illuminating. Oh wow, thanks. That, All right, that was just a quick snippet of Brian, our our new contributor, uh, meeting meeting the rest of the doubles writer, and you know, kind of assimilating himself with the doubles community. So we like to see that. So great things we're looking for, Brian, uh, from Brian going forward. <laughs> yeah. All right, Connor. Until next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another show on SQR Squash Radio. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we have a quick ask. In an effort to help us grow, if you have a quick minute, please consider sharing an episode with a friend who might be interested or leaving a rating on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. Thanks so much and have a great day.